Good morning. So let's start prayer. So Father God, we thank you. That you are God of great mercy and great grace. The Father, as the song said, there was another in the fire. The Father, without you in the fire with us, we will burn. But Father, we also thank you that you are an all-consuming fire. A fire which covers us, Father, and consumes those things in us that, that don't need to be there, Father, because you want to see your kingdom come. So, Father, we thank you now in the name of Jesus. That, Father, you are protecting hearts in here today, Father, that you would not allow there to be any bitterness or anger or hurt or anything that is said today to be taken for anything other than your truth. So, Father, I thank you for protecting those that belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as you know, we've been on this topic of uh, what the world needs now. And what the world needs now is absolute truth. How many of you would agree with that? So we're going to start with 2 Timothy 3, which is where we've been starting. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to emphasize a couple of things. Verse 1, it said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God disobedient to their parents and ungrateful they will consider nothing listen they will consider nothing sacred they will be unloving and unforgiving they will slander others and have no self-control they will be cruel and hate what is good they will betray their friends be reckless be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than god they will act religious But they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, as you've heard us say, this scripture was written from Paul to Timothy. And he was talking about what the church begins to look like. So where I'm going in today's message is to show you how prophetically the church is actually bringing this scripture to light. And how we need to change how we're thinking about things a bit because God has developed this kingdom inside of us in Jesus Christ the kingdom exists inside of you so these things should not be happening inside of the church if the kingdom exists so the two things I want you to see is they held nothing as sacred and that they had religion but they had no power Because they denied the very power that would give it to them. So let's start with something simple today. By a show of hands, and I I mean a show of hands in the congregation, how many of you know that one of the signs of the end of time is that you can't tell the seasons apart? What if I told you that that was unequivocally false? Now, you see how many people in the congregation raise their hands. I'm not calling you out. I didn't do that. I was kind of setting you up. But I did not do that for any other reason but to show you how we've allowed small things to get in that have changed how we see truth. Because a bunch of people just raise their hands because that's what they've heard. But I'm going to kill that for you right now, okay, to get started. 
And the reason I'm doing this is I'm trying to establish the concept of absolute truth versus relative truth. So I'm going to turn to Genesis 8. So we're after the flood. So God has destroyed the world, recreated, put the floodwaters have receded. And I want you to hear what God says. Not what you heard man say somewhere along the way, but what God says. God says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, he says, as long as the earth remains. How long is that? Until he comes back, right? And changes the world and makes it a new heaven and a new earth. He says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. So now I'm going to ask the question again. How many of you believe that one of the signs of the end of time is that you can't tell the seasons apart? Amen. So we just corrected a falsehood in the church. That you believed that simple thing. Now, what? that's simple, right? That's one of those things we don't argue about. Oh, it don't matter if you can't tell the seasons apart. But the fact is, is that God absolutely said that you would always be able to tell the seasons apart. So guess what that shoots down right off the bat? Global warming. And I'm not up here to have this political debate or have some kind of crazy thing that goes on. What I'm telling you is, is God's word absolutely crushes something that man puts into play. Without question. He said always. And I could sit here and debate with you all day about these things we're going to talk about. But the debate is you could take your own science and you could look back and you can say that it was hotter during the medieval times than it is now. So how is that global warming? How is that something that man tries to take and control human minds with when God absolutely says this? Now, we're going to address some more pressing political issues. That's why I kind of prayed, you know, not the little simple things, but these really pressing things that have come upon the church. And when I mean come upon the church, I mean it is time that the church stand against these things because if we do not, we are going to look just like the verses in 2 Timothy. It's already starting. They're out there. There are opinions out there in the church about these things we're going to talk about. But hear what I am saying and not what I am not saying. If you have been involved in one of these things... You have done it. You have gone through it. You are about to do it. Understand that God has grace for you. Understand that God has mercy for you. Understand that if you claim to know Jesus Christ and the kingdom lives in you, that there is no other way to look at what we're getting ready to talk about than absolute truth. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between relative and absolute truth? Relative is this. Who in here right now is cold? This young lady right here is cold. Well, dear, as you can see, I'm sweating in my shirt. So that means what? It's okay for you to be cold, right? You are. You're cold. The air conditioner blowing is cold. Well, I'm smoking hot up here. Well, both of us, listen, both of us can be right. 
It's subjective. She can be cold if she wants to be, and I can be hot if I want to be. Now let's make it more pressing. Dean, there is a God. And Dean looks at me and says, Frankie, there's not a God. Now I'm just, you know, I'm just kidding with you, but when what that means is what? Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Dean, I want, Dean's going to stand up for me and Dean is going to quote where a Christian in their belief of absolute truth should stand. Please, please quote John 1.1. Thank you very much. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Now, further along in that scripture, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men, which means that the very truth itself came and walked among man, died on a cross, was resurrected so that you could have the kingdom of God inside of you. So that you have absolutely no excuse to try to make the absolute truth of God relative. You cannot. There is no way as a child of God that God will ever deny himself and call himself a liar. It will not happen. So these things that I'm getting ready to bring up, like I said... Don't get upset. You'll say, well, Frankie, it's hard to walk a mile in somebody's shoes if you've never been there. Trust me when I tell you that I understand. Trust me. You can, you can turn on the news today. You can turn on the news today. And you can look up articles online and you can see where the church has actually adopted principles on some of these things that we're going to talk about everybody already knows where we're going so let's talk about the first one abortion that's a that's a that's a tough topic but i can tell you that there are churches who will stand beside a woman's right to choose what to do to her own body And I bet you there's some of you out there right now who are going, well, it is my right to choose what to do with my body. Then why do we live in a society where if you kill a pregnant woman, it's murder times two. But if a woman chooses to kill a child, it is not murder. So let me tell you what the Bible says about it. The Bible says, and I'm going to preface it, I'm going to keep going a little deeper. The Bible says emphatically, period, that God hates the spilling of innocent blood. Period. Who wants to, who can debate that with me right now? Because if inside of you, you are saying, I can debate that with you, Frankie. Well, what about this one? In the cases of rape and incest, God hates the spilling of innocent blood. Period. It ain't the child's fault. We live in a wicked world. How about this one? Your wife is at the term where the child can live outside the womb. And the doctor comes into the room and says, it's your wife or it's your child. 
Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that would be a hard one to try to make a decision on. Would it not? And you know what? In all honesty, with me standing up here telling you, as much as I love my wife, I bet you that would resonate through my head. But I can tell you this, that if you don't have that kind of relationship with God, that it produces that kind of wisdom in you to even have that conversation with God, you're not in the right ballpark. Because the fact of the matter is, is that even if you choose your wife, God didn't change his absolute truth. Absolute, right? He says, the spilling of innocent blood, period. It's not my word. It's his word. Number two, divorce. Did you realize that the church looks exactly like the world today in terms of divorce? And you know what it boils down to a lot of times? I just don't like them anymore. I just don't love them anymore. Well, they cheated on me. They beat me mercifully. Now listen to what I'm telling you. Is if you're in a situation like that, God's not expecting you to stay in a situation like that. But the Bible says that God hates divorce. Period. Period. He hates it. It's something he doesn't like. So what you say, well, Frankie, what about that scripture where Jesus said, um, that a man could, or a man could divorce his wife for her being unfaithful. Well, it's there, but I can tell you that Jesus is God and, and God said he hates divorce. We can sit and debate all day what Jesus really meant by that scripture. And we can do that later if you'd like. But the fact is, is the absolute truth of God says that he hates divorce. And you know why he hates it? Because he knows what it does to a family. He knows how it destroys what's inside that's why he hates it and he also knows that if man loved his wife as christ loved the church we wouldn't be having that debate that's the kingdom coming from within and living as christ said to live which means that if that's the case and the husband's loving his wife that way guess what the woman's going to do she's going to follow oh but wait a minute now we got feminism I'm not going to do what that man tells me to do. God just said that's how the order is established. God never said that the woman didn't have an equal inheritance in heaven. He said that if the man did this, the woman would do this. That's how a godly relationship works. That's the difference between absolute and relative. Somebody saying, well, I ain't got to be that way. Well, you try that as a child of God and you see how it works out for you. You see how it works out. If you want to reference those, that's in Matthew 19 and Malachi 2, 16. Here's the other big one. Same-sex marriage. That we literally have churches who are adopting same-sex marriage principles that they will marry people of the same sex and it's okay. Now listen to what I'm telling you. God has grace and mercy. But what I'm telling you is what he says. We can take care of that by quoting in Genesis again. He says, and he made them male and female. 
right? He said the man was alone. He said he needed somebody to help him. So what did God do? God put him to sleep and took a rib out. And you're like, well, Frankie, that's a silly story. That's outdated. Isn't it interesting that in science today that they found that the rib is one of the only bones that has the greatest regenerative power. So when he pulls the bone out of Adam and puts it into the woman to make him flesh of his flesh, it actually probably grew back. So the point being is he made a male and female. And the other big one is gender choice. Now I'm just bringing these things up because these are the things that we are watching on the news today that consume us. And what they do is they divide even the church Because you will sit there and be consumed by watching the television and getting angry about it. You know how I know that? Because I do it. That's that's the cynicism of the world. That is making the Christian cynical. Because what we do is we sit there and they go, racism. Guess what? Racism exists in this world. But guess who it doesn't exist for? God God never used the term. God said humankind. So we spend more time watching the news where the media's drive is to divide us and make us take sides on worldly issues instead of spending the same amount of time, the same amount of time in glorifying God by watching the kingdom grow inside of us. I'm guilty of it. Listen, I am guilty of it because I have had to turn the news off because I will watch it and I will go, that Black Lives Matters movement or this movement or this other thing that's happening in the world, I can't believe that they would oppress those people or oppress those people. Jesus didn't worry about that kind of stuff. Jesus went and loved them all, but he never compromised. He never compromised. On the truth of himself, who is God. It was always, 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 always absolute. And there's one way you know absolute truth. But ultimately, all these things that we're talking about point to one thing. And what is that? Somebody say it. Somebody say it. Self. All these things we're talking about are used to glorify self. They are not used to glorify God. Because if we spent that time trying to glorify God, that would come outside of us. The kingdom would bud. It would just blow up if we used that time to glorify God. But what the church is doing is we're embracing these things by formulating an opinion Based on what the world says instead of what God says about it. I said, and somehow we're more afraid of what the world says. We're more afraid of what the world says instead of what God is saying. We're somehow afraid of what the world would do to us. than recognizing that Jesus actually said, I bring a sword to divide those things. We actually are giving in to the world. When Jesus said, I brought a sword to divide you out of the world. That's what he said. 
He said in Revelation, he said, come out of her. You ever wonder why you feel so uncomfortable right now? Who in here has been uncomfortable? Come on. That uncomfortableness for you that belong to God is God pulling you out of this world. Because this world is consuming you as much as it's consuming me. And he doesn't want us to be a part of it. So he will not quit until he has pulled you out of it. Because the Bible does not lie. Jesus does not lie. The Bible says he is the author and the perfecter of your faith. So that means if you truly belong to him, he's not going to relent. So you can have whatever opinion you want to have. You can choose to have abortion. You can choose to be in a same-sex marriage. You can choose to do, choose your gender if you want. You certainly can. It's a free country. But that doesn't change what God said about it. No matter how much you want to debate it or turn it into something else, it doesn't change what God says about it. And it has nothing to do with intolerance or non-acceptance because that's exactly what the church will have you to think. Christians should be some of the most tolerant people they are because we can look at things from both sides and we can find in the middle of that where God's kingdom comes. Not choose a side because you have a political opinion. I'm not up here preaching politics to you today because I could care less because I want to see God's kingdom come inside of me, which means that for the given situation that I would be in, God will make sure that I have an opportunity for his kingdom to show. It doesn't matter if that person hates me. God can still make it happen. So the issue is this, right? We're going to talk about some scripture as we go forward too. Is that there's this person that lives inside of us as a Christian, believer, a follower of God, follower of Christ. There's this person that lives inside of us and his name is the Holy Spirit, right? So I've said this before in other messages that we don't have an excuse today. And the reason that we don't have an excuse is because the Holy Spirit is in us. And one of his jobs is to lead us into all truth. Now, do you think that the Holy Spirit is leading us into all relative truth? Or do you think he's leading us into all absolute truth? Which one? He's leading us into all absolute truth. That means what God says. So Jesus is not ever going to put you in a situation... If you belong to him, where he's not guiding you into all truth of what that situation is. Right? He won't leave you. He he says, I won't leave you or forsake you. So he's never going to put you into a situation where he doesn't guide you into all truth. And it's not a subjective truth. God doesn't change his mind. He loves us. He has mercy for us. He has grace for us. He knows that we are in a fallen world and he hates the things that are of this world because of the sin that is in it. 
So by denying the voice of God, what do you think we call God? Somebody can say it. Or you don't want to say it. There it is, a liar. When we deny the voice of God that lives inside of us, I'm guilty of it. Listen, I, I'm a raise, I, there are times when I just go, mm, I don't hear you talking. I just kind of want to tune it down a little bit because it's not really how I feel about it. Well, Frankie, you can't sulk right now. You know that's not how this is supposed to go. Well, God, I want to for a little while. Well, no, Frankie, you can't because you know better. No, God, I want to. All we're doing is calling God a liar because he says, I lead you into all truth. I lead you into all truth. So when we deny that, we call him a liar. And we chase after whatever we want. And then what happens after a little while is this. You start falling prey to those things that the world has for you. Because we've watered down God's absolute truth so very much that we've now made it relative and it's palatable. Let me tell you something about the gospel. Frankie's not up here offending you today. Because all I'm doing is saying what God said. The gospel is offensive. It is offensive. It is supposed to be offensive. Because it is meant to change this thing. If this thing was changed in the world today, the heart, right? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it's not that stuff you're watching on television. It's not that attitude you got. It's when it gets in here and it simmers for a little while and then it comes back out of you in that way. It sounds just like the world. It's not what goes in. It's what comes out. So when it comes out that way, watered down and relative with an opinion about everything rather than what God says... It's more palatable because we don't have to face that conviction in our life. Or for those of you who may not belong to Jesus, we don't have to face a judgment because we can just believe whatever we want to believe. We can believe the sky is purple if we want to. But you don't have to face those things when you water it down, when you should want to have to face those things. So Mark said it last week. He said, your life outside of here is important. He was talking about a lifestyle. He said, how you live it, how you look in private. He said, how you look at work, how you look at school. All of those things. Because you can come in here and put on a, put on a face. But when we go outside of here is what changes the kingdom. It's how you live outside of here is dictating what's inside of this thing. You come in here and hanging out with some people, and which is great. We need to do it. But coming here and hanging out and not really being real with people and telling them what's going on in your life and you know, not letting people help you and all of those kind of things allows the world to consume us. It allows it. Been there, done that. Understand how easy it is to do. So I want to take a few minutes here in closing and I want to 
I want to look at some scripture that kind of talks about these concepts, these concepts of truth. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John 18. So we're going right before Jesus was crucified. So no Holy Spirit yet. Okay, that's one thing. And I want you to kind of hear how how the Lord kind of gave me this scripture. So starting in this first section in verse 19, this is when Jesus is on trial and comes before the high priest where they're trying to do this shady and bring him before the high priest in the middle of the night. And it says, inside the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. I want you to hear what Jesus said. Jesus replied, everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. He said, why are you asking me this question? He said, ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Let me tell you a little something about that word, ask those who heard me in the Greek. The meaning of that word in the Greek for that particular scripture says those that had a conversion of faith. So let's ask ourselves if the high priest comes and stands before us in the world trying to say this is what the world says. He says, what you been teaching those people? And Jesus is going, go ask the ones that heard me. How many of you would know what Jesus taught you? Or have you heard it? Because that's what he's saying. Then it goes on to say, then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest he demanded? Jesus replied, If I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Well, unfortunately, and fortunately for you, Jesus spoke the truth all the time. And he still got beat. So we can't even compromise the truth based on suffering. We can't even even compromise the truth based on the pressures of the world. Because I believe this is exactly what we do. We're like that temple guard who comes up and slaps Jesus across the face. When he says, go and ask the people who heard me, they'll tell you what I said. Now, I don't find it ironic that in the very next section, starting in verse 23, or start 25, excuse me, this is where Peter denies Jesus for a second and third time. And it comes immediately after a temple guard slaps Jesus in the face. So it says, Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it. And immediately, the rooster crowed. So after we slap Jesus occasionally in the face by not listening to what he taught us, that is denying him. But I want to tell you something about this scripture. 
Peter did not have the Holy Spirit in him at the time. Because later that came when, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. And it said Peter went out and preached so boldly that 3,000 came to Jesus that day. Talking in tongues and going across and sharing the gospel. And guess what? He died hanging upside down on a cross. So I would say that he boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit stood for the truth of God. But what I will tell you about this, it's kind of similar to us at times, is we get caught up in the pressures of the world and those hard conversations that we have to have sometimes. And we just choose to go, nah, I'll just deny it. I don't need to talk about it. Well, if you choose to do that and you choose to take that side, you have sided with the world. You've sided with the world and you are helping to fulfill the scripture in 2 Timothy. In the very third section, starting in verse 28, this was Jesus coming before Pilate. And we all know that Jesus kind of went through this process of going before the high priest, and then they took him before Pilate because they had to go get the permission of the Roman governor to crucify a man. They couldn't kill anybody without having the permission of the Roman government. So they went over and they took him and they said, Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early mornings of the hour, or in the early mornings. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate the governor went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate said. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. He said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered that my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Now understand this. Jesus was saying his kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. That kingdom that lives inside of you is not an earthly kingdom. And Jesus was willing to stand before this man and make this statement. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. How much do we fight to keep the values and the principles of God as absolute? How much do we do that? How much do we stand up to try to make the church what the church is supposed to be as part of the kingdom of heaven? He said, but my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, so you are a king? And Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. He said, actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth, recognize that what I say is true. Do you love the truth? Or do you compromise the truth? Do you try to take absolute truth and change it to relative truth so that it fits what you want it to fit for the situation that you want it to fit in? That's what Jesus is saying. 
But here's the statement of all statements. And I want to kind of do it as Pilate probably would have done it. (laughs) What is truth? So I imagine in that moment, Pilate wasn't looking for an answer from Jesus. He wasn't looking for Jesus to tell him what truth was. And you know what that is when we do that? I want you to think about it for a minute. When we, when we do exactly what Pilate did and we look and we go, well, what is truth? Eh, it can be whatever I want it to be. Whatever I want it to be. Right? What is it? That's a great song. <laughs> it's like I want to start singing. But what, what is truth? And I say, I lost my train of thought there, but it's okay. I'll get it back in a second. When Pilate looked at him and he's jeering at him, and we compromise, and we compromise that truth, we wind up slapping Jesus in the face. We wind up denying him. We wind up making it all about us. And we wind up not glorifying God in it. And I think that that's important to kind of see. I mean, it makes us no different than the philosophers that used to stand on the street corner in ancient Greece debating about what life is. You know, somebody over here would say something and then this other person would stand over here and say something different. And then by the time it's all over with, it's, it's so twisted and backwards, it doesn't make a bit of sense. But I would think as a Christian today, if you truly have Christ and Christ is pulling you out of the world and you watch some of the things that are happening, it, it almost in some way infuriates you on the inside. It should. It should infuriate you. <laughs> That's all right, I mean. It's all good. So it should kind of infuriate us. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. As I said earlier, because I realize that some of those things that we brought up are very difficult things to talk about. And it's hard to be in those situations to have to say, look, this is what God said. And still be in that situation where you're loving and caring and showing the mercy of God and showing the grace of God in all of those situations. God made us the church to be able to be there for those people that have had to go through those difficult things. To where others have gone through the same stuff to where we can minister and counsel to those people to help them through those things. That's the grace and mercy of God. But the biggest point of this whole thing this morning is I want you to understand this, is that if you belong to Jesus, and when I say if you belong to him, I mean do you really belong? Because if you do, Jesus himself said, the kingdom of heaven is in you. And people are like, what does that mean? Well, If you followed him, you'd know what it meant. That the kingdom of heaven is in you. That means that if we spend more time focusing on chasing after the things of God, that kingdom will grow inside of us. Do you know, listen, do you know what it would look like? Do you know what it would look like if all of us focused on the kingdom of heaven inside of us? What would it look like? Come on. Heaven on earth, thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And you know what Jesus said about it? Jesus said that when the gospel of the kingdom 
was preached unto all the world, then the end would come. So if all of us had the kingdom come out inside, how many of us would like to see Jesus come back? We should. I know inside we, we want to see this happen and this happen and we want to see all these things go on and finish and whatever. But that's again, that's us looking inside rather than leaning on the fact that we look forward to that day when we get to see thy kingdom come. Well, guess what? You can see some of that kingdom today. So don't allow, because I'm guilty, do not allow political opinion or opinions about other things in life that are against God's moral standards and laws to let us become consumed in the world because it is easy to do and it is easy to have an opinion but isn't it great that we have a God who will lead us into the answers of all those things so father we thank you this morning for truth for father that you are the truth and that father again I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ Father, that if anything be said in here today that triggered something, Father, that stirred something, Father, that offended, Father, that hurt, that you touched that person individually. Father, you let them know that we're not picking on people, that this is not about trying to harm people, that, Father, this is about showing that you are a God who loves us and has mercy and grace for us. And that, Father, that if we listened to absolute truth, that life would be so much different. That it would be so much different than what we can conjure up and create for ourselves. So, Father, I thank you that you've stirred in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.